When does your future begin? Your future begins now, okay? For some of you, you might have wished that you had done a little bit more planning for your future when it could have began uh, three years ago. And you wish you might have, you know, saved a little bit more money or whatever it might be. But today, you're going to have an opportunity to relook at where your future is heading from here on out. We have the uh, unusual, and, and we would call it a privilege or opportunity, that we meet lots of young people. And we've watched lots of young people grow up while our young people have grown up. Now our baby is 32 years old. That's hard to believe, okay? <laughs> so that puts our daughters up there in their later 30s, 30s okay? It's been a blessing to watch young people grow up, but we've, we've also learned a lot of things, and we've seen some of the things that have happened, things we've learned in our own family and in other families where, because we want to have our young people protected from the needless wrong influences, and is that appropriate? Yes. We should be, as parents, guarding our young people from needless influences that will corrupt our young people. But sometimes we don't always find the balance in how we do that. And so we have seen a whole gamut of things over the last 30 years of ministry in our own home and in the homes of many other people. And this message today is hoping to, to take a look at how some of that can find balance. So young people, what is, what is the desire you have as you get older? What do you want to do when you are in your adult life? Let's see some hands and let's get some answers. Yes. Be a doctor. Yes. Be a doctor. EMS. Okay, got that. He wants to work with emergency medical service. Anybody else? Now let's look at some of the older. Those are children. Yes, go ahead. Champion surfer. Okay. Do you live on the coast? Oh, yes, you do. I, I know where you live now. <laughs> He's from Florida. It's an option, right? Okay, anybody else have anything they want to, any, any ideas that you want to do? Young people, let's look into some of the teens who have visions. Yes. Teenagers. Gym coach. Biologist. Marine biologist. Oh, I like that specific definition. I think that would be a great job. Are you into dolphins or something or just general marine biology? Oh, okay. Anyway, so children have lots of ideas. Children have lots of goals. Children have lots of visions and dreams and aspirations. And that carries into their teen years. But what are we doing as parents to nurture those viable, those interests, those aspirations, because the children's future begins now. Actually, our future has already begun, hasn't it? But many of us haven't done, made choices that have prepared us for where we are today. But the good news is wherever we find ourselves today, we can begin from this point and move it forward, right? But are we as parents helping to inspire our young people in their future dreams and desires? That's a question, because this message isn't just for the young people. 
It also has to deal with us as parents because we have seen young people who have who, who are motivated, who have incredible talents and desires, and because that's not nurtured in the home, they then don't fulfill their dreams and they become what we would call more stagnant or less productive than they could have been with the talents God has given them and the desire they, that God implanted in their heart because it hasn't been nurtured. So we have a responsibility as parents and young people have a responsibility with the future of our children. So do you like thinking about the future? Young people. Hello. <laughs> I know we are long ways away from you. Yeah, it's difficult for us. You know, at Northeast Family Retreat, we are probably this far from the first person who sits on the first row. We so it's, like it's that. It's kind of an unfortunate disconnect, but we can't help that. Okay? But we want you. This is a bit of an interactive presentation today. It's a thought-provoking presentation. So when we ask questions, it's okay for you to answer. And if you want to put your hand up, that's even better, because we're going to be looking for hands out there. Go ahead, Henry. So I heard a lot of younger young people, and that's great because some of you, because you're thinking the way you are, my, my wife, since she was about five or six years old, she knew exactly what she wanted to do. I wanted to be a, a nurse, a missionary nurse out in the bush somewhere. And, and praise God, my parents nurtured that. I pursued that. And I had the opportunity to fulfill that dream. And that, that, is, that was an experience in my life that helped to set my course for my future adult life and in being a mother and a Christian and a, have a passion for spreading the, the wonderful gospel that God has entrusted to us. And so she never lost sight of that. And that's great for some of you young people. But I didn't hear a lot or see hands raised of these 17, 18, 20-year-olds, that doesn't mean you don't have a vision or that you don't have direction, but it was very important. It was interesting, too. We were just having this conversation. Guess what it was like for her dad? Okay, so dads, tune in. She's 19, and she wants to go to Nicaragua. 19. For one year. Let, let one me, year. Let me just kind of put this in a <laughs> capsule of time. There was no internet. There were no smart devices. There were no computers or communication. The best we would have is called pen and paper. And a ham radio. And a ham radio. And that was, that was very spotty. But I would number my letters I would send home, and my parents would number their letters I would, they would send me, and it would literally take sometimes two and two and a half months to get those letters, and there were gaps in the numbering system. So this is, put yourself there, I just want to, you know, help tune it in, because young people go to the mission field all the time, and they've got WhatsApp, and they've got this and that, and all the other ways, you know, to communicate, Skyping, and so... It's not the same as it was then, so now we're going to put it in that perspective. Yeah, so how do you dads think you'd feel? Because I know what it's like to have girls that are 19 years old. And 
What do you think her dad said when she came home from college, <laughs> Southern Missionary College, and said, I want to go to Nicaragua for a year? What do you think he said? Yes! <laughs> he said, You are not going. <laughs> I mean, can you understand that, dads? Got two dads out there. So I understand there's a lot of young people here. They're going to grow up. You maybe you'll remember this, okay? But this is difficult, and sometimes we as parents are not recognizing how we can help facilitate and fuel the future by the grace of God of what our young people want to do, to be a part of them. And if we will be a part of them, not just dads, dads and moms, be a part of this conversation as they grow up, it can become an incredible experience in the hands of God. She did go to Nicaragua for one year, and it was an amazing experience. And I thank God that, that he preserved her through some of what she went through. Yeah. But here, here's the point. Sometimes when our young people bring us ideas, as I brought my, this idea to my parents, my dad was not raised in a Christian home. My parents became Christians after we children were all born. My dad served in the Navy in World War II, okay? So he's in active combat. He's out in the Pacific Ocean, and he saw a lot of things that we never even knew existed, right? Because we, even then, we tend to live a little bit of a sheltered life from what's happening out there in the real world. And so he was fearful, and you dads will understand this, you adults will understand this, sending his little girl out into the jungles that would be no way of communicating who's going to protect his little girl, right? So that's what he was doing when he said no. So young people understand that sometimes your parents have a lot more background to what, what's going on in their minds when they may say no to you. But if God is in it, and God was in this, through communication and understanding, and because I had proved myself responsible, I was an obedient child, and my father would have absolutely refused, I would have never had that privilege. But because of the choices I was making in the, in the younger years, I was preparing my way for my future, right? Therefore, my dad could trust me and trust God. And in this process of over a couple of months, when I came home on break, and I not only said I would like to go, I actually said I signed up to go. That was even worse. <laughs> but um, he was fully supportive, and that was a huge blessing for me to go. So I want to help us to see that there is, a, a, sometimes it takes conversations and understanding. Sometimes your parents may say no to something, but they have something else behind it. Parents, explain why. My dad explained why. He didn't tell me all the things that could happen, but I saw in him enough that, okay, I, I, this isn't just something to do for fun or to fulfill a dream. This is serious business. And I have a responsibility to use wisdom in where I was, never go anywhere alone. That was the first thing he asked me to do. Never go anywhere by yourself. Always have somebody else with you, day or night. That's just practical advice, isn't it? So it was a process of working through this. So the first thing that we want to bring to the young people's attention, and you parents are obviously listening as well, and it's a very, uh, it's an 
a well-known scripture. You can probably tell me where it's found. It says, remember now thy... Say it again. In the days of your... So we pretty well know that. This is one of the most important things that's getting pushed out of family life. Mm -hmm. Family interaction. Oh, there's plenty of religion that's going on. Don't get me wrong. We need good old religion. But we need it in the experience of everyday life. Amen. Not just on Sabbath. Do you understand? And so many young people today are, are because of the culture that we live in, does anybody know what I mean by the culture that we live in today? Can you feel it? Can you see it changing? There are things happening in culture today that I could not have imagined 10 years ago. Could not have imagined that are happening. And it has a strong pull upon our young people. And young people, if we're going to be successful in framing, focusing, and Finding fulfillment in our future. We need to remember our creator in the days that we're in now. You young people need to be developing your own relationship with God. You need to be taking time with God because he is your God. Daniel went to Babylon under the guidance and protection and the power of his God Amen. as a very young person. And today our culture is working against the busyness of life. If you were to be asked how many hours you spend on your devices versus how much time you spend with God, we'd all have to be thinking about that, right? Not picking on devices. But devices are a part of our culture today that God wants to use as a tool. But Satan's getting a lot more mileage out of them. Okay? And so we need to know whether we're really remembering our creator. Are we really seeking him first in his kingdom at the beginning of every day? Because if we're not, it's very difficult to find our future in Christ. And we just want to emphasize that our future, while we all agree that it begins now, right? This is the moment we have. We can't go back and relive the moments of the past, but the choices we make now will prepare us for what's ahead. And the most important choice we can make is to give our hearts to God. That's the message we heard this morning by the Guerreros. A heart, a mind, surrender. That's the most important Amen. aspect. And for many young people, when we talk about this, what do you see as your future? What would you like to do when you grow up? We get all kind of answers, but you know, I don't know, it's been extremely rare that we ever hear a young person say, I want to develop a relationship with God that when I get to be an EMT or when I get to be a marine biologist, I can see that as my mission field. I can see that as, as where God has planted me, more than just for the academics or the, the fun mm -hmm. of that career, that occupation, but that I am going there as an ambassador for the kingdom of God. And we want to instill in the minds of young people 
that that is the most important position of your future is to establish a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because our future isn't guaranteed for another so many years. Our future is only as we choose moment by moment by moment. And so that is the most important that we want to emphasize. And I appreciate those ministries who have brought to this retreat their various booths. And we heard some fabulous introductions before this message today about Christian education, didn't we? Because the mission of that school is not just the launching somebody off into a business degree, but it's giving them the tools to help strengthen and develop or keep current and fresh the relationship with God in the aspects of business or whatever other field that they, the young person is studying in. And those tools that My Bible First has are tremendous tools. They're given to you. They're, they're, they're all prepared. They're kind of handed to you. Done. All you have to do is get them and apply them and use them as resources I wish they would have been around when ours were little itty-bitty because we were trying to create some of that stuff in our home for our devotions. It's there. Make, make use of it. These are time-saving devices, okay? Time-saving materials that are going to help lay the foundation for the future of our young people. I want to take you back to a culture that you didn't live in, and I didn't live in, but you might remember. If I tell you this name, see, I want you to raise your hand if you recognize this name immediately. George Washington. That's pretty good. A lot of little ones. I'm going to take this just one step further. How about this name? George Washington Carver. Oh, now I'm impressed. We're impressed. Very good. So we're talking to the choir here. (laughs) But there's one difference. (laughs) That is, how are you doing with this? Because you don't know where I'm going with George Washington Carver. (laughs) Okay? This is going to be a culture shock to you. And it is to us. Okay? How many of you have read the story of, of George Washington Carver? Okay, you're doing good on this quiz, okay? George Washington Carver had about every disadvantage that it is possible to have to be educated. Just educated, let alone educated for the kingdom of God. If George Washington Carver were to be caught reading something, do you know he was punished? You don't get punished, children. You don't get punished, Today, the culture we live in today, it's hard to get young people to read something. Unless it's on their device. And it isn't often real, deeply educational. You understand? I'm just making a couple little contrasts here. But this little boy caught a vision from his mother who gave him his name. This little boy was a slave. And since you know so much, we won't have to tell you all the details. This little boy was a slave. His destiny was slavery. His mother was a slave. His mother had very little time to instill what she wanted to put, but it began with, began with his name. How many of us pay attention to the name we give our children today? Probably many of you do. 
But this woman gave herself in the few moments of every day to make that name mean something for her son as a slave boy and as a slave woman. The culture of that day was very different from today, just in real life. The work ethic of that day, even if you were a slave, was completely different than the work ethic that's generally in our culture today. And the educational standards of that day, even for a slave boy whose mother was helping him secretly, was higher. You know where I'm going with this? than many of the standards of education today. How many knew that fact? Raise your hand if you knew that. Oh, I've got you on one finally. (laughs) Not all the hands went up. If you were to take someone of George Washington or George Washington Carver's day and put them as a sixth grader, even as a slave, up against a senior in high school today, who do you think would win in all the facts? Who would win? <laughs> Hands down. There's, it's not even competition. Why? Because generally our educational system has just deteriorated along with our morality today. Now, how many of you knew that? Okay. That's not a new thought. So... That mother was so determined. I hope you're hearing this. This is not just the mother, but that's who was in the picture. You have a mother and a father in most of the pictures, okay? The determination to make something of her son to to help him rise above. And so we don't have slavery today. Praise God. But what do we have slavery to today? Lots of stuff, okay? Do we need to help deliver from these things? His mother was determined by the grace of God that she would not let her son just fade into nothingness as a slave. Is that noble? A vision. She had a vision. And he reached that vision by the middle of his... Yeah, by the time, middle of his life, he was world famous. By the middle of his life. He was a scientist, he was a statesman, he was an orator, uh, he did all kind of things. And so we know him today as, what for what? Peanuts, peanut the peanut man. product. He was known as the peanut man, right? And, you know, he discovered all the nutrition that was in that little, that little plant and those legumes, yes, thank you, legumes. <laughs> I almost said seed, I knew it wasn't a seed. But with that, he had a purpose. It wasn't so that Amen. he could be famous and, and show everybody, look, you don't have to live in slavery. You can be somebody. That wasn't the attitude he had. He was taught that whatever his hand found to do, to do it with his mind. You know where that's found? It's found in two places in Scripture. But in the Old Testament, the wise man says in Ecclesiastic, whatsoever your hand finds to do, do it with thy mind. And the New Testament says, as unto the and that, Lord. by the way, that was Ecclesiastes 12.1 for remember your creator and Ecclesiastes 9.10 for whatever you. your hand finds to do. That was his determination to become a person who was purpose and mission was to help others. Does that sound like our gospel commission? 
that we are here for a purpose. Every one of us in this room, every one of you watching on live stream, every one of you who may hear or see this presentation on flash drives or off the ministry website at some future point, we are all here to fulfill a mission that God has put us on this earth for. And this little boy and this little boy's mother had a vision, and they pursued that. God was important to them. He learned to read the scriptures. He learned how to read. And even though he worked from dawn till dark, after dark, he would study and, and apply himself because he wanted to do something to help other people. He wanted to make this place a better place to live. And that ultimately when he died, he wanted to leave a legacy that his life had value and purpose because it was a life of service. I love this statement. This was his motivation. Someday when I have to leave this world, I want to feel my life has been of some service to my fellow men. And if you, those of you that have read his story understand that he was not driven by earning money. And one of the reasons he was so successful at serving others is because money never became a hindrance to him, either in his poverty or in his prestige, because money was not his meaning. Money was not his goal. His goal was to be a service to his fellow men. So I want to contrast this now very distinctly to where we are in culture. And this is one of the things that's very hard to get your hands on, but we're going to attempt to, to share this. And that is that when you don't know that you don't know something, and when you don't know that you've missed something, you don't know it. Very profound. Thank you. <laughs> and one of the things that's happening, I'm only going to use one example. It's in the world of texting. Oh, yeah, it got really quiet. That just happens, okay? I can't make that happen. It's because I, almost everybody texts, right? I text. It's not on me right now, but it usually is right there. It's in there in the other room. Now, fear not. I'm not talking against texting. It has its place. But listen to this. What many young people do not know today is that when you become predominantly communicating through text messaging, you lose layers of emotional intelligence that is unmeasurable. And that your communication... Okay, so we've seen people, you know, not more than a few times, that are not in conversation. They're in the same room texting each other. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. <laughs> but what you don't know, many young people don't know, and they'll never know that they've missed it, is we are in a transition time right now that in 10 to 15 years in our educational system, you won't even know how to write. Some people won't know how to write. Now, if you know how to write, you won't know how to write with composition. You won't know how to write with feeling. You, you won't know. There, there are things that are happening, and it's already being researched, that lose the ability to have the emotional connection. And you can put 50 
15 emojis on it and it won't help. Do, do you understand where I'm going with this? This is an important message that we need to help as parents and, and, and help our, we are, our culture is slipping away, not slowly, but quickly. The values and morals. The morals and values are slipping with it, but relationships, and I use the term emotional intelligence, is slipping. And many young people today, and I, and I trust that it's not happening to the degree here, but I know it is because I know we know many people today within the realm of our family retreats across the country. There is a loss of connectivity of the emotional connection in relationships that is deteriorating and the tragedy of it is. We were having this conversation with some parents the, the tragedy is you can't explain that very well, like I'm trying to do by God's grace. And so 10 years down the track from here, there will be a level of communication. And I can only say this. I don't know if faith is the right word, but because of what I've seen in the last 15 years, we're going to come to a point where we are going to be even more amazed at the degeneration of not just moral standard, not just educational standard. We are going to be shocked at the level and the degradation of emotional communication between human beings. And you know there's one source that's driving this deep down? Anybody know where it's coming from? Somebody has to tell me. Satan, thank you. I didn't think that was going to take that long. Do you think that he is not trying to do everything he can to destroy not just the relationship of man and woman, not just the relationship between parents and children, but the relationship between every human being? He is intently working in his laboratory to destroy the ability to connect the way God intended us to connect. This is an important part of your future, young people. And because you aren't like George Washington Carver, that's okay. We don't have to be like George Washington Carver the way he lived or the way David lived as a king in Judah. What we have to be is a Christian who lives by the word of God, not by the moral standard of today and the argument of culture. This is the future you're developing today. So when we look at that future, we have a responsibility as parents, and our young people have a responsibility. So it's twofold, and we need to work together to help our young people develop a, a, a vision for where they want to be, what they want to do, who they want to become, and their mission here in this world. So as you know, we talked about George Washington Carver, Many young people are more versed in the latest sports, scores and heroes, the latest entertainers, and yes, this applies to this group, because many young people have a secret life that your parents don't know about. Or the fashions of the Or day. the fashions of the There's so many other things that young people are tuning into that is, that is starting to 
develop who they become and their desires and their aspirations and who they want to emulate instead of going to the Word of God and seeing there the beautiful picture of the person Christ wants us to be. And the scriptures are full of a diversity of personalities and examples. From those who were uneducated and who God made them to those who were highly educated and how God used them. And so we can learn much if we go to the scriptures and let that be our textbook for developing that relationship with God and surrendering our hearts to do his will. So I want to talk specifically about parents and what we can do to create obstacles for our children's success. Now, doesn't that sound terrible? (laughs) What parent in here wants to create any obstacles to their children's success in the future? Nobody's going to raise their hand. Oh, yeah, I I set up obstacles all the time. Uh, I really look for every stumbling block I can find for my children. (laughs) Thanks, Ty. But here's what's happening. Many parents today, contrasting George Washington Carver's day, and we don't have to go back that far. I can go back to my dad. At four years old, my dad was milking all the cows on his farm. Four years old. Yes, every day before he went to school, four years old. That's not George Washington Carver's day. That's back in the 1930s, okay? Do you see a difference today? Today we parents are sometimes creating obstacles and stumbling blocks because we're afraid, intimidated to get our children to clean a toilet, to get them to do the dishes to iron the clothes, to do the washing, to mop the floors, to mow the lawn. Got to pay them to do it. No, you don't. It's a part of real life. God wants our children to learn how to do real life in real time. Real life in real time. With a real blessing. Thank you, dear. That's the outcome of that, right? Absolutely. Absolutely with a real sense of a job well done and a real sense of what is almost lost in our society. It's called self-dignity. You can't get it in a degree. You can't get it through a paycheck. You get it because you learn how to do real life in real time with the real motives and a real power to serve. It's being lost. Many parents say, oh, I don't want to. My mother was one of those parents. I was an indulged child, and I have had to fight by the grace of God over the years to be the man that God is making me, continuing to make me. Because my mother said to my dad, don't make Thomas get up like you had to get up and work on the farm. I was raised on a farm. Let's make life easy for him. Let's make it easy for Tommy. Was Thomas, if I was in trouble, it was Tommy. Otherwise... (laughs) Don't make me work. Well, praise God, my dad made me work. And I pray, I, I mean I praise God. And, and our children praise God for, my, for grandpa. Because every one of our children has work ethic. We never ever encouraged our children to be entrepreneurs, but every one of them is. 
don't have to be an entrepreneur, but they knew how to think for themselves. They knew how to work for themselves. My dad said, okay, I won't make him get up in the morning. That was a mistake. It took me years to figure that out. Clear till after he was married. <laughs> Thank you, I dear. tried to help him, but... <laughs> she Lord tried to help me, but it's hard for a wife to help a husband. Get out of bed. Get out of bed, okay? All right, so it's a work in progress, but... But my dad said, okay, I'll leave him in bed, but he's going to learn how to work real life. And I thank God for that. This is one of the things we, do as, we don't do as parents because I can't tell you how many parents, yes, even in these circles, have said, well, they're too young. You know, let's, let's wait until they get a little bit older so that we can reason with them better. No, they need to be making their bed at two and three and four years old. And you may gasp when I say that now, but I say it because I believe it. Okay? But we are living in a culture that we are being immersed in that even though we have God's word, we don't know how to interpret it sometimes to help our children find success in their future with God. We have parents who say to us, you know, you talk about sitting and talking with your children about different occupations, and you took them and let them experience what it was like at the vet's office, and we don't even talk about that. And, and, and hence, we see young people at 17, 18, 19 years old, and because we're interested in them, we ask them, and they, I don't know, thinking about it, they don't know. That's partly the obstacles we as parents have laid out that trips them. It's because life has become superficial. Life has become more of a party or a game or let's just have fun. And life is fun. But a lot of the fun we experience is to do those things that God has created for us to experience that will bring us true self-dignity and respect. And therefore, we have fulfillment. Because many young people, and some of you are sitting in this auditorium today, you have no motivation. You are just content to kind of... Let life roll out. You know, chill out, whatever. Sit there and just spend hours on your device. You're content with only putting a small bit of effort into getting your schoolwork done because you know you have to get it done. But you're not really there to learn and to see what else you can get from the lesson than other than just getting an answer. Amen. So much of life, you know, we've tried to develop over, you know, a couple of uh, centuries of time an educational system. And as my husband brought out earlier, the educational system early on was designed for in a short, you know, for a short period of time. People didn't have 12 or 16 or however many years to get an education. They only had a few years and it was jam-packed full of stuff, but it was taught, it was there to teach people how to think how to develop an appetite, a quest to learn, to grow, to do more, to understand more, and to be able to accomplish more in life. And the generation of young people being raised today is a generation of young people who've been allowed by their parents it's just to make life easy, just to make it comfortable. If the child doesn't like it, I don't want to. It's too hard. I don't want to. And the parent is intimidated from moving forward. Love will help our parents get past what I want to do or I don't want to do and help the child learn that their greatest joy comes in doing what is right, doing whatever they are asked to do in accordance with God's will. When a mother or a father gives a child direction, 
their greatest joy will be when they yield their heart and surrender to follow that parent's guidance and that leading. And so we don't want to make life just cushy, comfy for our children. We want to make it pleasant and happy. We want to make it profitable. But we also want to teach our children real life has real trials, real difficulties, and things that are going to go wrong. And they have to learn how to put their energy and their mind and their talents to move forward and get past it through the grace of God instead of just becoming defeated. Can I use an example? Sure. Just a simple example. One of the things that's being lost in our culture today, not just out there in the world, but right here within the church, one of the things that's been lost is how to help our children not only develop a work ethic, which I've said enough on that, (laughs) but how they develop an understanding of how money works and what you have to have to live in the real world, okay? And one of the things that we've seen happen, okay, is that today, because of this mentality that my wife just shared of making life easy and, and letting experience happen, we see in the general education world that if you have a classroom of, of students and you have two achievers that are really working hard, It used to be that those achievers were rewarded in a variety of ways to encourage them that your extra effort, your extra energy, your extra determination, your extra whatever is being recognized to encourage them, not to glorify them, but today we live in a a society where the educational system in general, what it's doing is it's trying to reward every child to make them all feel self-esteem. And equal. Equal. Did you hear that? How many people knew that that was happening in the educational system? Okay, good. I mean, it's not good, but I'm, you're I'm aware glad, of it. We're glad you know about it. But here's one of the things that we, we sometimes are doing inadvertently in making the life of our child too unrealistic. So they get an opportunity to go on a mission trip. Is that a good thing? Amen. Raise your hand if you think it's a good thing to go on a mission trip. Absolutely. Love it. Supported many, many young people over the years on mission trips. But here's what's happening in the culture of today. If you want to go on a mission trip, what do you do? You just ask somebody to give you the money. (laughs) Because everybody's got money and I don't have any. So what do I do? Ask for it. Is that a quick fix? I'm not. Okay. Is that a quick fix? Yes. Is it the right answer? So we got a letter from a family that we've known for many years. And their testimony, because they, they've seen all kinds of things, their testimony was that their two girls got the opportunity to go on a mission trip. And the people that were organizing the trip suggested that they go out and ask people for money, which is just the common thing today. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. It's in the context of what we're talking about of how we prepare for the future, how real life operates. And the father and mother in that home said, we are delighted for you to have the opportunity to take this mission trip opportunity. But you will earn the money for this mission trip. Thank you for that. Okay. 
I didn't know if that was just too old-fashioned. Why would there be any value in earning some money for the mission trip? Why? Yeah, all kinds of reasons why. Ownership. Okay, ownership. I'm a part of this. All these things, self-dignity, everything fits into this. And so these two girls, they went to their church family individually. And they told them what their desire was, their dream. Yeah, their dream of going on a mission trip. And they said, we will do anything for you that you need done in your home, in your property, anything that we can do. We want to earn the money. And if we can earn enough money, we will go. This is our goal. We will go on a mission trip. And they, I want to tell you, their church rallied. And their church got some really good stuff done. Their church and people in that church at their homes, on their properties, these girls worked hard and they earned that money very quickly. And you know, the the report from those girls was that not only did they love that mission trip, but because they were so invested in it, it just, it was a richer experience. So don't miss the point of this. The point of this illustration is not... Don't, you know, don't ask Tom and Elaine for money if your kid's going on a mission trip. <laughs> now, we still love your kids and we'll support, you know, we'll do, we'll do what we can. But the point of this is, don't block the way for your children to understand what it costs to live real life. Amen. Because many young people today that we've seen over the last 10 years bridge over into their young adulthood, in many cases... They are not prepared. They can't afford to get a car. They can't afford the insurance. They can't afford... It's, it's an unfortunate situation that doesn't have to be that way. If George Washington Carver could do it as a slave, can we help our young people to accomplish it in this generation? Amen. Amen. We're going to contrast because now we, he, he mentioned the word self-esteem and we mentioned the word self-respect and self-dignity. And there's a very large misunderstanding about these terms. That's right. Because so much of culture today is pushing us to develop self-esteem. And we are losing the values and the morals and the principles of the word of God when we focus on building self-esteem instead of helping our children and ourselves learn how to develop self-dignity and respect. So we're going to contrast these two in the context of our young person's future, of your future young people. This is what you want to pay attention to. And as we go through this, we don't have time, but there, we want to recommend a couple of books that will be very profitable for you, for your study. Because we could come up and we could do this whole presentation and read you quite a few different references and quotes that are power-packed about your future young people and about the future of your young people But we want to assign that to you, and we encourage every family with children who are readable age to get the book Messages to Young People, because it is so full of clear principle and direction that gets its uh, foundation and, and the principles from the Word of God. It brings the Word of God alive in the young person's life, and for us as parents, as we help our young people navigate. But we want to look at these two, self esteem. Which side do you want to do? Whichever one you don't do. 
You go, you go for it, and I'll do the other side. Okay, I'll be self-esteem. Okay, good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the dictionary definition. This is the 1828 dictionary definition. Here's the, the defi reason why I say that. This is not Wikipedia. Okay, just wanted to make that clear. <laughs> <laughs> or this isn't the, the modern dictionary. You know, the dictionary is getting new words added all the time, right? According to culture and trends. We want to go back to something pretty basic here. Self-esteem is basically, and this is the entire definition, a good opinion of oneself. Do any of us have a problem with self-esteem? No. It is born in the, the human heart, carnal. right? The carnal heart. We have it, it's there implanted. It, it came from the Garden of Eden when our first parents chose to pick to know what evil was, right? It started from Lucifer who wanted to be what? Exalt himself. Above the God, above God. He didn't want to just be God, he wanted to be above God, right? That's a strong case of self-esteem. I can't wait to tell you what self-dignity is. Go ahead, honey. <laughs> this is not my definition, but I love this. Self-dignity is worthiness to be good. Not a good opinion of me, but to be good, to have worth that is profitable. You see the difference? If we try to take all the schools and we just try to make everybody feel good because you showed up today for class, I'm going to give you an award too because you want to feel good about yourself. You see where that goes? Feeling good about yourself when you don't have these other characteristics is a counterfeit. And the reality of it is they really don't feel good about themselves. They are very empty. Because we can never satisfy the true human heart that God implanted when he created man with a counterfeit and find happiness or success. It leaves us with emptiness and, and no direction. A worthless feeling. And that's, that is the, the other side. of That's where the self-esteem leads to. So on, on my side of the list, which I'm glad you gave me this side of the list, there's lots of other qualities and characteristics about self-dignity. There's only one basic statement under self-esteem. Okay, so mine goes on, my list goes on and says, having true honor, nobleness, an elevated mind. Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. That's the highest elevated mind we can get, right? A high sense of propriety. Ah. Explain, a high dear. sense of putting value on the right things that have true value. Not on, oh, my dream is to be able to see this guy from Hollywood. Is that a high aspiration? Oh, I'd just love to get his autograph. Is that a high aspiration? Okay, one no out of this congregation. No, this is not, so these, this list is, goes on and it says, embodies truth, justice, and moral rectitude. Amen. This side, well, you can do the rest of your side. 
Well, I'll say it again. This part. Well, that's the culture part. A good opinion of oneself. This, this, is, this is why we all get into problems, is because we have a good opinion of oneself that's not the right thing. And it leads and, to this. And elevated, uh, elevate self above others. Oh, I'm the best. That's I'm where the it smartest. Goes. I'm the fastest. Nobody can tell me anything, because I already know. These are the attitudes that, that start to develop. And that's why people can't be wrong, and people can't be taught, and people won't be submissive, because self is on the ascendancy of the throne of the heart. And if we want God's heart of love to reign in our heart, he will dispel self-esteem. And I want to just say one other thing. There's actually several things I'm wanting to say right now. One other thing that Jesus said, there were two great commandments. The first was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. The second, he said, is like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. And that as yourself gets lost in today's culture. We cannot love our neighbor right. We cannot love our wife right. We cannot love our children right until we understand the love we need to have for ourselves. Not self-esteem. Not self-esteem. We are talking about self-dignity, self-respect that understands the value of myself. I am so loved of God that I ought to value my worth above everything for his death that was paid to make it worth what it is. This is being lost. We've had young people come to us very recently, come to us and say, I never thought of that. I thought when you're a conservative, you're supposed to be very humble and self-deprecating. That is not in scripture. God gave his son. God so loved. His heart of love is for one thing, to restore our heart of love that we might be united forever in his kingdom. Amen. And in the journey that his heart of love bleeds over into our heart enough that we love ourselves with the value he puts on us Amen. so we can love somebody else. And can I say one more thing? Go ahead. Switch a subject, but I want to get this oh, in me, here. Let me, let me oh, go ahead, it. sorry. So that kind of love is a love that helps us to achieve all that God wants us to achieve, to become everything God wants us to become, to, to seek to be honorable and noble and, and make those choices. The, the definition said right doing. Make those choices that we know are right. Those are those ways that our heart of love responds to his heart of love, that we become a reflection of him, not to self-aggrandize. Is that the right word? Aggrandize. However you say it. But more that people don't see us and we don't see ourselves as somebody important. We are reflections of his love. And his mind, let that mind of Christ be in our mind so that we can reflect him fully. Okay, two more minutes. i got to change okay. subjects here. Go ahead. Not on the notes. But this one is so important for the future. Okay? We have had a number of people over the years, and it's a growing number of people because, as I said, young people have grown up as our young people have grown up, and now they're in their 20s and 30s. Ours are in their 30s. And this is something that comes to us, and it's come to us very recently, and this is it, okay? What about young adults living at home 
until they get married. Ah, <laughs> we don't know where to go on this one, do we? <laughs> well, there is no right answer. The right answer is the right situation, okay? We, we're thinking of, of several people, so you don't know who they are. But some of and I'm not going to say that. So <laughs> there's, two, there's two contrasting things that we've seen over and over again. We've seen young people talk to one just recently who is living at home, and he, yes, it's a he, and so you won't know because we know a lot of he's and she's, okay? And he is a very successful young man. He is earning very good money, which he deserves to be earning because he has focused himself. He had a vision. He has followed that vision, and he's living at home, and he gets ridiculed. Even though, he, I won't tell you what, I won't be so specific to tell you what his, you know, what he's doing or anything like that. But some of his people that are his colleagues make fun of him. Yeah, mama's boy, huh? Can't, can't cut the apron strings? What's going on? But almost every one of them has come back to him at one time or another and said, you know, you're pretty wise, actually, because you're doing what you know you're supposed to be doing you're doing what you should be doing at home. Preparing for your future. And you're preparing for your future. And by the way, you're saving a lot of money. You're a pretty smart kid, actually. But don't tell anybody else I told you that. <laughs> That's one side of it, okay? Does this sound like parents that have handicapped their child? No. The other side of it is that we've seen, and this is the more painful side, and that is young people that have stayed in the home. But the parents have not helped them drive a vision. The parents have not helped them facilitated exploring their talents, their gifts. And now these young people, some of them are staying at home just hoping for something to God to open something up. Discouraged at times. Don't have resources to get their own place. Don't really have the opportunity to get Don't a start. Don't have an education or a trade or a... Some of the girls that we've known that... Uh, unfortunately, that they're just praying that God will bring them somebody to marry them. But you know, we have counsel in inspiration that says that a young woman should prepare herself that in such a time that her husband has a need or comes under illness, that she is prepared to go out and do what is necessary to provide for that family. We've known young ladies who have had their goals set before them be halfway through those goals and then some knight in shiny armor comes along, maybe the armor's not too shiny, and sweeps them off their feet. They, they drop their goals. They get married. They say, this was my goal. I just changed my mind. I want to get married. And then in a few years, we've heard them say things like, I really wish that I would have pressed ahead. I would have had more to offer my family in the big picture. I could have been more supportive of my husband in the early years before we had children. All these kind of things. This is part of, there's not a right and wrong answer about this. There's not a right and wrong answer about college or no college or online college. We know people that have gone to college and they've been Daniels and Esthers in college and they've been an incredible witness. Amen. We know people that have gone to college and floundered and failed. And we know people that have never gone to college and floundered and failed. And people that have done it online and floundered and failed. There is no right or wrong, your circumstances and your individuality, but the important thing is, are you setting a vision for your future that begins today?
Father in heaven, truly our future is right now. The choices that we make help us to understand that even the smallest choices will influence us in the path that we choose in the days to come, the weeks and months ahead, and that will determine our future. Help us to recognize the importance of those little choices that seem insignificant in the moment. Help us to have that vision that is you, Lord. Be thou our vision. For our young people, give them that vision Mm -hmm. of being all they can be for you. To use the greatest potentials that you have endowed them with to be what you want them to be. Whatever field of service you want to send them into, Lord. Whatever educational path you want them to take. We just pray, Lord, that each one of us here would be open to your plan for our lives and through our choices that we will be surrendered to do your will, surrendered to live our lives fully and completely for you, and then we can truly experience the fullness of joy that you promise to those who love and honor you. And we thank you for your spirit, which not only brings us the conviction, but will also point the way and then empower us to accomplish it because of you. And we thank you through Jesus Christ. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.